Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to dominate your career, then you are in the right place. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker. And Monica Marquez, ex-Googler, diversity expert, and senior corporate leader. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Monica Marquez, your host for today's episode. Have you ever heard the saying, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard? It's such a powerful statement in that it provides both candid advice and inspiration in one sentence. On the one hand, it reminds you to never underestimate hard work, even if you're super talented. And on the other hand, that even with ordinary talent, you can achieve extraordinary results with focus and hard work. But the bottom line is there is no substitute for hard work. In today's episode, you'll meet Giselle George-Joseph, Managing Director and Global Chief Operating Officer of the Global Investment Research Division at Goldman Sachs, who attributes her successes and achievements to living by this mantra. Giselle has successfully navigated and climbed the corporate ladder in her 15 years at Goldman Sachs. She is a founder of the Salisbury Development Organization, a nonprofit focused on hurricane relief and economic development efforts on the island of Dominica. And she also serves on the Human Resources and Talent Committee for the Dream Yard Project. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Giselle. Welcome, Giselle. Thank you so much for taking the time to spend time uh, with me here on the Beyond Barriers podcast. I'm super excited to reconnect with a dear old friend um, at Goldman Sachs. So, Giselle... I want you to share with our audience all of the wonderful things it is to be Giselle working in uh, the big corporate corporate space of um, global investment research at Goldman. Tell us a little bit about your journey, um, what it is that you do, and uh, we'll go from there. Okay. So I will start with um, sort of what I've learned over the last 15 years of being at Goldman. And it is that there is no substitute for hard work. Like there's just none. Um, it is, I think, one of the, the, the ways that I've just built my skill set, that I've built my, my credibility. Um, there's just no substitute for hard work. So I always say to people, the two things, if I think of the 15 years I've been here that I've taken away, one, no substitute for hard work, and two, don't ever give up like no matter what like life is going yes. to punch you 20 different ways <laughs> and you just you just keep going and so I'm going to go back to that theme repeatedly throughout our conversation but uh, don't give up um, so I I joined Goldman right out of grad school mm -hmm. I came from a very tiny island in the Caribbean you can probably hear it from the accent um, <laughs> called Dominica 70,000 people so I joke with people that I work for a firm that's all, almost 40,000 people and I came from a country of, of basically 70,000. So wow. coming to Goldman Sachs was a huge shock in so many ways. Mm -hmm. um, but I started at the firm as a contingent worker, was mm -hmm. meant to be here really short term. Mm -hmm. And I, going back to the point about working really hard, I worked incredibly hard over the course of the three months I was meant to be here and got converted full-time into an analyst role on the equity research management team. Mm -hmm. 
And on the back of that, um, stayed there for about a year and a half, tried to quit to go back to grad school and had my boss at Goldman uh, at the time say to me, (laughs) it's probably one of the best stories, but he said, do you want a PhD or do you want to make money? And I said, sort of both, actually. I would love a PhD. I would love to be able to make money. Uh-huh. Um, and he said, look, Goldman Sachs is a village. Like, there are a lot of different places that you could work and you can be and you can make a life for yourself here. So what do you want to do? And that was mind-blowing for me to just have somebody, like, be that interested and to care that much. And so mm-hmm. I ended up moving into the HR space, which is where I got to know you, Monica. Yes. And um, I did a variety of roles there over the course of eight and a half years years. I'm happy to talk more about that um, later on. Um, And then on the back of that, uh, came back into research and was the chief administrative officer for macro research, which is a big title that meant you were just the person who pulled up your sleeves and did all of the grunt work, um, Mm -hmm. the grunt work for all the partners. And that meant running the budgets, hiring people, paying all people, thinking through what client strategy looks like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, who are we talking to outside of the firm, how we needed to do that. And, you know, six years, almost six years later, um, the person that I worked most closely with became the division head. Mm-hmm. And at Goldman, the, the research division is about uh, 1,100 people mm-hmm. globally. And he asked me if I would be the chief operating officer. So I took that role on back in March and have been doing that for all of four months. That's fantastic. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. So you talk a lot about absolutely hard work. Can you share maybe some techniques or daily habits or rituals that are key to your career success? So, I mean, if if I think of rituals, so ritual is an interesting word, right? Because every single day I sort of make a to-do list and uh-huh. I never get through it. And so, <laughs> yes, it's a ritual, but it's actually kind of an, an, a ritual that doesn't really push the, you know, uh, push the work. Uh-huh. Um, so, but I, I, think, I think being organized and being sort of mm. detailed about what you need to do is really important. It's like a really basic piece of advice, but it's mm. so important to sort of every single morning you, you wake up or when you get into the office to go, what are the things that I need to accomplish today? Mm-hmm. And to the point that I made, sometimes you don't get through any of it because, you know, in, in, especially in a role like this, where different things are sort of coming at you all day, right. you sort of have to prioritize. And sometimes the things on the list are not the most important thing to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think it, it's really important to sort of at, at least plan Mm-hmm. what the things are that you feel like you need to do to, to sort of be effective and to get the job done on a day-to-day basis and be able to cross those things out over time, even if it's not within the course of the day. So I think that is really important. Um, but the, to the point that I made earlier, I think, you know, there's, there's again, no substitute for hard work. So building your skill set, um, getting all the information you need. So learning, uh, my husband has this phrase that he says that you're constantly trying to be a better person. And it's not just in life and in, you know, as a human being, but it's also just in, in your professional self. It's, it's what is going to raise my game, right? Every mm-hmm. single day. And, and whether that is knowing the information, learning something else, I have to take an exam 
very soon. And it, it drives me crazy that at 40 years old, I still have to take an exam. But <laughs> guess what? That's, that's what you do in order to raise your game. Right. Um, so you sort of think through every single day. I always think of my career as, as not long-term, like not like I want to be managing director at Goldman. I want to be the COO. Like this wasn't like a goal. Mm-hmm. As much as what are the skill set that I need to raise my game on a day to day, week to week, year to year basis. Right. And then getting all those tools into your toolbox, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then that's the thing that ultimately I think moves your career. That is fantastic advice. And so it's that continual learning, that growth mindset where, like you said, you've not had a particular title in mind. You just know that you wanted to continuously level up and and, and keep doing that. Um, Tell me a little bit about what has helped you, I mean, through your 15 years at Goldman, I know there's probably been ups and downs and in terms of just setbacks and failures. Um, What are some tips you can share on overcoming some of those failures and setbacks? So, I mean, I would say my worst day at Goldman, and and people laugh when I say I know after 15 years, I can tell you the absolutely worst day I had at this firm, Uh but December 12th, 2013 was my worst day at Goldman. (laughs) You have a date, okay. Very, very specific. And it was, look, it was because my team made a pretty notable mistake Mm -hmm. and we had to work through it. And you know, and, and we all make mistakes in the course of our day, in course of our lives, but it was a, a mistake that I thought from a work perspective was, was pretty sizable right. and had to be fixed. And, and in that moment, I actually wanted to give up. I, was, I, had, I had like a moment where I was like, I'm just going to grab my shoes, all of my shoes, and <laughs> just, just walk out. And I'm never going to come back because in that moment, it just felt so extremely hard to get past you know this challenge and i think what i learned what i learned that day one the importance of having a really good network of people around you and the importance of sort of um um, the board of directors, so to speak, of friends right. and who, who can support you. Because in that moment when I felt like my cup was really empty, I really leaned in to friends around me who talked me off the ledge. And so I will say that was one. So there was external support. And then I think more internally, you know, people sometimes say when something happens, you just move on. I actually couldn't just move on. I had to sort of uh, dig through the rubble of the fire that had burnt down that day right. and sort of pick, pick up the, the, the missing pieces. And that was really important to sort of learning how to not repeat some yes. of the things that, that had led to that big mistake. And, and I think the advice about sort of moving on is really important, but I do think you sort of want to learn what, what the lessons are from that fundamental sort of a failure or setback that you've had um, in order for you to move on. And I, I think the last thing I will yes. add is, is literally walking away. So I had, again, a friend walk up to me and say, let's go take a walk. Let's just mm-hmm. you know, take, take a walk away from the moment, away from the emotions. And this friend, the mentor, walked around the, the Goldman Sachs building with me a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And by the time I actually got back upstairs, my head was a little bit clearer to be able to have presence of mind to say, look, it's just a mistake. It's one moment. It's fixable. Mm-hmm. And we can get beyond this. And, and we did. 
not without a lot of tears. That's fantastic advice in terms of, you know, the learning, the learning piece of it, because it is true. Sometimes we want the avoidance of wanting to dig back and find out what is it that you did wrong or where did yeah. you go wrong? Um, it's, we jump into this fix mode, but then we, we never go back and understand, okay, what did we do wrong? So we don't have to go fix it again. I think that's fantastic. And I love your stepping away and going for a walk and leaving all your other shoes behind. <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, that just, it makes me chuckle because I remember how many of us had like five pairs of shoes underneath our desks so that we could, yes. and then, you know, where your, where your heels work. So your heels at work. Fantastic. Um, share with, you made a really important point about the importance of having a community or a network around you of individuals that can help you. Can you, um, elaborate a little bit on what helped you gain access to influential leaders, but also building long lasting kind of work relationships where you actually can tap into them when needed. So I think with, um, I'll I'll talk with the first question first. Um, With influential leaders, I think if I sort of think of the partners around me who I had to build relationships with, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it is building your credibility with these people, right? At the end of the day, if you're not doing your job and you're not doing it well, mm-hmm. they're not going to have the respect that you ultimately want and need in order for you to progress your career. Mm-hmm. So again, going back to the skill sets are really important. Um, you know, just to sort of uh, your, the competence level that you need to do a job well is really important. I think with relationships though, you know, I, I always think of my, uh, my father, um, who was like, you know, such a relationship builder and he passed away 10 years ago. But, but the thing that I learned the most from him is you sort of give to the community, even if you don't always feel like you're getting back from the community. And, and that's how I think about relationships, right? Like I am not in it to get something from you, but it's because I'm bringing something to the table mm-hmm. that I think will benefit you and the community. Mm-hmm. And, and that has really worked for me in my life. It is, it is sort of, uh, that, that, authentic self that you bring into a relationship that lets somebody know, hey, I'm not just here to sort of take what you're given and run away with it, but I'm actually bringing something to the table that's going to help not just you, but our broader community, whether that's a work community or whatever it is. And so I would say for me, that has really worked. It it, it also opens the door for being hurt and being disappointed as well, of Mm -hmm. course. Um, But generally speaking, I would say that that, um, that is how I, I have progressed a lot of my relationships. And tell me a little bit about um, how did you, so I know that, you know, you worked in building these relationships with influential leaders and doing the hard work. Were you ever in a situation where there was somebody that you wanted to reach out to in terms of being a mentor or a sponsor, but when you're more junior, you're, you don't know how to do that. What are, what what were some of the ways that you may have um, positioned yourself to start a relationship with someone who may have seemed a little out of reach? Yes. So um, I know I keep going back to the whole point about knowing your space. Mm-hmm. Um, at Goldman, when I was junior, more junior, they had, they had taught me uh, that you always have the elevator pitch. And mm-hmm. so yes. if there's a senior person that you, and by the way, I am still junior to so many people here. And so I still need to have that and do that, right? Mm-hmm. I always think if I meet X person in the elevator, 
what are the things that I'm going to talk to them about to highlight what we're working on and how I'm moving the organization forward. Mm -hmm. And I always sort of have those like three things in my head to make that person remember me. So Uh I think that's one. I think the elevator pitch is very important. I think the other one, and I had, I had a moment of that yesterday where I sort of kicked myself after the moment had passed, but (laughs) so I will share this. Uh Um, But like yesterday we had, uh, you know, our CEO held a meeting with all of our black managing directors and partners at the firm. And I sort of had a question playing in my head and had an opportunity to ask it and then didn't, and then sort of kicked myself Mm. because that is a really easy way of having somebody remember you asking Mm -hmm. a question that you think is smart and that you know and introducing yourself by the way you where you do that Mm -hmm. and and those type of forums as small as as an opportunity as it might seem in the moment is actually a big opportunity to be able to have somebody remember who you are right that's a that's fantastic advice and and yes i can recall too those moments where you kind of (laughs) kick yourself where you're like i had the right opportunity and i didn't (laughs) So help me understand, you know, was it just lack of, if you had the opportunity, what caused you to hesitate? Was it some sort of fear or limiting belief? Like what was it? And then how do you help yourself get past those? I will tell you, it's a, for me, yesterday was a much more basic reason. I, I was tired. And when I'm tired, I almost can't put the extra step, but I should have regardless. Like going back to the point about never giving up, like, yeah, we have moments where we're just like, I'm so exhausted that I can't mentally bring myself into being active in this conversation. But it was a missed opportunity that my, in the moment, just tiredness should not have, you know, mm-hmm. negated an opportunity like that. Right. Um, so I, I would say, look, and I have been in the moments where I've been very afraid and where I am like trembling inside, but yes. trying to, you know, that whole concept of the duckling come yeah. on the surface, but under your paddling furiously. Yes, I yes. have had those moments where I have wanted to ask a question and I am the whole time I'm like super nervous before I open my mouth to ask it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the the whole concept of really pushing yourself and, and getting out of your comfort zone is, is a really important one. I don't like this stuff, by the way. I don't like talking out in meetings, but in order to move your career along mm-hmm. in a place like Goldman Sachs, like that is actually what you need to do. And you just, you get yourself outside of your comfort zone. That's fantastic. And, and yes, it's one of those things where you just have to put yourself. And most of the times I find myself, you know, asking myself, okay, is this limiting belief, is it real? What's the worst thing that's going to happen if, yeah. you know, if I, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's the upside and the downside, right? Can I yeah. live the downside? Absolutely. And if so, then push forward. Um, so throughout your career, you have switched lanes uh, quite a bit from in the roles, even within Goldman Sachs. Um, talk a little bit about that in terms of raising your hand or taking on roles, maybe even before you felt you were ready or before you even had all of the skill sets that you thought or you understood were going to be needed. Um, what helped you make those decisions and kind of just leap forward and take the opportunity? So I think a couple of things. I think, look, I... I we're always scared to take a, a, a new role. And I think women and, you know, for me as a, as a diverse woman, I think we're, we always feel like we, we're not where we need to be in order to take a role. I thought for this role, that was exactly the case. Like every single role I've moved to here, I felt unprepared for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it is more of a mental thing, I mm-hmm. think, than it is actual reality because you know you're building the skill sets over time. 
to get you to that next step. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's the 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 phrase that we use all the time that imposter syndrome comes up, and you're like, yes. am I supposed to be here? Should I be here? Should I have this role? All these fears and thoughts go through your head, and and you sort of force yourself beyond that. So a couple of of things have gotten me to these new roles. One, to the point I made earlier, building the skill sets over time. Mm-hmm. And so I remember uh, there was a, a, the role that I did last time around, there was a particular skill set. I needed to learn how to run compensation mm-hmm. and, and run compensation for a big division. And I remember one of the partners saying to me when this previous role came open, but, but you said you wanted to learn to do this. So you should take this other job to learn to do it. And I'm like, but then I'm going to learn to do it on the job without a coach, uh-huh. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. like, that doesn't make sense. I need somebody to teach me how to do it. And she's like, you're smart enough to figure this out, right? Mm-hmm. And it was extremely hard. The mistake that I referenced earlier was as part mm-hmm. of that job. So I made mistakes and, mm-hmm. and it was hard. Um, but I do think, you know, sort of making those hard decisions, learning those hard skill set, we obviously have the capacity, the capability, the competence to be able to get there. Right. Um, but we have to take the risk and know that we can, we can do it. It's going to take application. It's going to take time. Uh, again, going back to there's no substitute for hard work. You're going to have to invest the time in order to, to get there. And mm-hmm. At Goldman, there's always an argument about is, is your career a marathon or is it a sprint? And I say to people, after 15 years, I discovered it's both. <laughs> sometimes you're sprinting. <laughs> sometimes you're sprinting because you're in a new job. You need to learn a lot of things. You need to test out of things. You need to build your skill set, grow your knowledge. You're sprinting. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to a, a place of, of um, better, I was going to say comfort, but it's never comfort, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's when you get to a place of uh, maybe more knowledge mm-hmm. and, and uh, your skill sets have grown, then you're, you're sort of just running the marathon, right? Like you're making mm-hmm. sure you're not taking your foot off the pedal, but, but you're not sprinting in that moment. And then, and then you're sprinting again. And so I would say that's one. And then two, I think one of the important things, again, going back to surrounding yourselves, yourself with people who are going to tell you the truth about mm-hmm. what your weaknesses are, what your strengths mm-hmm. are, and, and, and not tell you what to do, but feed into your decision-making process. And so, you know, if I think there was... Um, there was one, one job that I was offered at the firm that I did not want mm-hmm. um, because I thought it was too hard because I, I had heard a lot of things about the role and I really had no interest. And my mentor, who I think has also been a mentor to you, Annie Louvasquez mm-hmm. Ubari, said yes. to me, you need to take it. Like, this is really important that you take this. And she's like, I'm not forcing you to do it, obviously, but, but here are all the reasons why I think you should take it. And, and mm-hmm. that helped in my decision-making process, which ultimately I took the role, which I said was super, super hard, but mm-hmm. also set the foundation for me for both the last role that I had and this role. And so I always sort of credit her with, with you know, my decision in part to take a role that I wouldn't have taken if not for the mentoring. That's really critical in terms of having mentors and sponsors who are what we would, I guess, say truth tellers. Yes. Um, How do you, how, you know, because how do you make sure that you're getting the feedback you need? Because as you know, as you know, women of color, sometimes we don't get that feedback because you you don't have those truth tellers. Um, How do you seek it out? And then how do you leverage feedback when you get it? 
So I would say one way of seeking it out is asking. Um, you know, I have my boss right now says sometimes that uh, that sometimes people ask for feedback, but they don't really want the feedback. They want to be told that they're awesome. And so you <laughs> want to be very clear when you're asking somebody for feedback that you want the developmental feedback and the constructive feedback, mm-hmm. as well as the things that you should. I never say give me the positive feedback, but I'll say, look, tell me the things that are good here. Let's say it's a presentation. Tell me the things that are good here and the things that I should keep or continue doing as it relates to this. And then tell me the things where I need to sort of uh, do better. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or uh, you know, change something. Right. And so sometimes I think people are really afraid to tell diverse people, to tell women um, what's what for right. a variety of their own mental reasons. And so getting, getting them comfortable with the fact that you're comfortable taking the feedback, I think is really, really important because I will tell you, I had a white male as my boss for six mm-hmm. and a half years at Goldman. And he changed my life in a lot of ways because he gave feedback that was so direct, so in your face. I mean, he gave me feedback one time that made me tear up. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. and, and I had to walk away in the moment mm-hmm. because it was, it was painful feedback. And, but I came back, I excused myself. I walked away. I went to the bathroom. I, you know, I got myself back in check mm-hmm. and I went back to him and I actually told him, I was like, look, I know I teared up, but just because I tear up doesn't mean I don't want the feedback. It was difficult feedback to hear because I didn't perceive myself that way. But I also know mm-hmm as we say as go- at Goldman all the time, perception is reality. And yes. so if that's your perception of me, I have to take the feedback. Um, so yes, I think, I think that is also really important. Getting people comfortable with, I can take the feedback and I'm not going to get defensive about it because this is your view. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's, it, it's something that you need to change somebody's view. Or maybe you go, actually, I don't care. I, yes. I am not going to sort of be responsive to that feedback. But where you do care, you want to be responsive to the feedback and you want the people who are taking their time to give you the feedback to feel validated that you're listening and being responsive to the feedback. I love that. And I love how you said you have to make people feel comfortable. And it's, it's great that you said that because, of course, Ani Lu, who was also a strong mentor <laughs> and sponsor to me, always, and she, and she has said this, and she actually interviewed on our podcast, and she did say, if you want to get feedback, you have to make people feel comfortable in giving you feedback. Amazing. And I think Amazing. it's important because I can tell you in many times at Goldman, I did the same thing you did where you tear up. And you excuse yourself and then you come back and you say, listen, I may tear up again, but just give it to me because I need it, right? Um, And so sometimes we can't control those emotions. As much as you say, I'm not going to tear up, I'm not going to tear up, there's something just visceral that happens and it's okay. But as long as you let them know like, hey, I still want this feedback because it's going to make me grow, then you give them permission and they feel comfortable and they give it to you. I think it's fantastic. 100%. I would love to talk a little bit about, um, you have been extremely successful at Goldman. And I think the question that comes up a lot is how do you balance your personal and professional life? And I know that you're very active in terms of, you know, you've also been the founder of a nonprofit that's helping your home country. So tell me a little bit about how you, how you do that. So balance is hard. I have, I have sort of, I will be very honest. It is hard. I will say that I like the word flexibility a little bit more because I, I have not successfully sort of separated work and life, but I've been able 
to have them flexibly you know uh mixing in a way that allows me to be happy in both spaces you've in integrated it well yes <laughs> My country got devastated by a hurricane, 70,000 people. The small village where I grew up, 2,500 people, had no water, no food for you know, weeks. And a bunch of us here in the U.S. sort of mobilized our resources and, and our connections to basically feed that, that town for mm-hmm. a period of, of uh, weeks. And so on the back of that, we founded a nonprofit so that we can be prepared for something like this happening right. again. Or, you know, just making sure that, you know, these people have a a way of support that's more consistent than us, you know, running around. But Goldman was very key in helping us to raise those funds, right? The people at Goldman were super generous in helping us raise those funds. So, again, the life life is sort of like interrelated and and mixed up in, in ways that you wouldn't have thought. Um, but you have to you have to find the time. You have to find the time to spend with your family. You have to spend the time uh, in the community and for yourself. And one of the pieces of advice that I got from Edith Cooper, who used to be the head of um, human resource uh, management here, uh, human capital management at Goldman, uh, was the whole idea that you can't be every woman every day. And I leverage that feedback constantly. There are days that I'm going to be a great mom because I need to spend more time with my nine-year-old and my husband as a great wife. And then there are days that I suck as a mom, quite frankly, and I suck (laughs) as a wife because I need to be a great Goldman Sachs employee that day. Mm -hmm. And so it really has changed, I think, um, on a day-to-day basis. And, but you, you end up, to use the word balance, balancing it out where you're not neglecting your family, but you're still able to do a really good job at work. That's fantastic. I love that. You can't be every woman every day. Every and day. I think that's, that sums it up perfectly. I think that's wonderful. Um, so in closing, I want, we ask everybody this, I mean, especially in this um, current environment with the pandemic and how work kind of shifted overnight, like just dramatically, um, how do women continue to accelerate their success in the digital age with the age of disruption of technology, but then also in, in situations that there's disruption that you can't control, how do you continue to accelerate your success? I think it's, um, it's really important that we evolve as the world evolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if we're not willing to change, then we're going to sort of be left behind, right? And so my advice would be that you're constantly growing, like to the point I made earlier, you're constantly trying to figure out like what's the next skill set that I need to build and what's the next tool that I need to put into my toolbox. Mm-hmm. How can I change? How can I evolve? Um, how am I increasing my knowledge? How am I becoming sort of the go-to on X, mm-hmm. right? That people sort of need to ask me that question and need to make that call to me so that I become either the expert in, in a small field or the, or, or the, know, the person who knows it you know, whatever the answer is from many different points. Um, But I think that's the only way that we continue to be relevant is Mm -hmm. that we're constantly also changing and evolving and not, not going back to the comfort zone, not sort of sitting back and being comfortable with where we are. Mm, that's fantastic. And you mentioned a little bit about, um, and you also mentioned like you're about to take an exam as well, but what are some of the things <laughs> that you do to stay ahead? Like, how do you, when you, you know, how do you learn? What is it that you study? Um, what tools do you use? So, I mean, if, if I think specific to my job, um, 
there are sort of specific things I need to learn and develop. And so the finance education, I always say that, you know, every, every bank should actually have people take the Series 7 and the SIE and all those exams, which they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I'm managing, um, you know, a, a bunch of other senior people who manage big groups, mm-hmm. um, I have to have the, the, the exams like Series 24, for mm-hmm. example, uh, to be able to manage those groups. But I, I think it is, if there are things around your specific space that mm-hmm. will make you better at your job because of the knowledge that you're acquiring, you mm-hmm. absolutely need to do that. Like right. there is, there is no sitting on your laurels. Like going back to the point about the marathon and the sprint, you're mm-hmm. not standing, right? Like if you sort of think of the track, yeah. you're not just standing on the track. Like there are times that you might need to walk mm-hmm. and there are times that you're running and there are times that you're sprinting, but you're never standing. You're standing and so I think, I think that is, is a really important point for you're constantly just looking around you going, what do I need to know? What am I missing out on? What are the questions that people asking that I don't know the answer to? And then how can I build those skill set, knowledge, you know, degree of understanding that I need to in order for me to be better at who I am? That's fantastic. I love the idea of, you know, every time they say, well, you could take these courses, they're optional, but optional is not an option if you want to stay. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's really about like which of those courses I'm going to take because you also need to prioritize, right? So it's Mm -hmm. not that you can do every single one of them, but it's going through like, okay, if they tell you these are optional, like what are the ones that would actually move me Mm -hmm. from the position that I am in and actually help grow my skill set or my knowledge? That's fantastic. Well, Giselle, thank you so much for your time, um, all of your words of wisdom and the pearls of wisdom. And um, I'm certain that uh, our listeners are probably going to want to hear more from Giselle. So what is the best way for people to get in contact with you? So I am on LinkedIn. I am not a huge social media person. Uh, So I would say LinkedIn is probably the best way. I am happy to chat. And thank you so much for inviting me, Monica. It was so fantastic to connect with you again. Thanks so much, Giselle. Take care. Thanks for listening. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com, where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode. And be sure to take the quiz on the website. Your score will tell you where you are, what helps you gain momentum, and what holds you back. You'll also get a free guide with cutting-edge career strategies. We'd also love to hear from you. Share your comments and topic suggestions on IamBeyondBarriers.com and we'll be sure to address them in future episodes. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and rate the podcast or just tell a friend about it. See you next episode.